Getting hitched? There's a podcast for that, and you're listening to it. The Save the Date Wedding Podcast, the number one podcast about all things wedding-y. We find ourselves at episode 105 of the Save the Date Wedding Podcast. If you are new to the show, welcome. You can go back and listen to all 104 other episodes absolutely free in your own time. Binge if you must. I get lots of lovely emails from people saying, I've just been 10 episodes. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of Alicia time. Not even Rich gets that much Alicia time. Rich is my husband. He's very patient and lovely. And uh, he does a lot. He goes, he's a little bit of a window into the world backstage at Save the Date Wedding Podcast. When it comes to the tech stuff, I try and work together as much as I can. But sometimes I get confused by all the layers in Photoshop. Jeepers, creepers. You need like some sort of degree to get that shit happening sometimes. So he comes and solves all of my problems when I have computer meltdowns. For a person who's actually, he started his career as a computer engineer, he's a coder, and now he's an architect. And um, he worked very hard. He went back to uni and started again a few years ago. So we have really lived the student life for a couple of years, but he's uh, now a graduate. And uh, he won't mind me saying this, a graduate at 35, starting again. We're all up for an adventure. You've got to live the life you want to live. But when <laughs> this is always, we always have a giggle. Whenever I have problems with my website, and I have built the website of my own accord, I haven't had anyone else come and do it. So if you're on the website, please appreciate my coding and my design skills. It's probably not as sophisticated as some, but it's a homemade jobby. But here's the thing whenever shit goes down, I'm sort of reluctant to ask Rich because he's lived a whole life of coding tech support already. And I'm a feisty gal who likes to solve problems, but you know when it's really going down when I have to go, Rich, I don't understand this code. It's like it's like it's like reading Chinese. Help me. That's what couples do. You help each other out. Today's show has been inspired by a listener email. As many of my shows have, you write to me and uh, I try and answer your questions on Q&A Thursday. But also, when there's a topic big enough, I try and incorporate that into a main themed episode, which is what today's show, Monday is themes, Thursday is questions and answers. And uh, so Jen wrote to me, uh, a little while ago, and we've actually been having a bit of a conversation because I was so intrigued by her scenario that she, you will hear me, I'm going to read the email, that she sort of presented to me. I wanted to know more and I felt like Jen was one of these people, you know, you, you connect with people and I want to help each and every one of you. And I really, I do try and write back personally to everyone. I get a lot of emails, but it's so important to me that you take the time to talk to me and I really want to talk back. And a lot of the time I'll write something quick back and then I'll answer in more detail on the show. But this email that Jen sent me, I just felt a panic in it. And I wanted to just bloody get on a plane and fly to America and give her a big hug and also go, it's going to be fine. This is just one little portion of your life and we're going to fix it. So I've got lots to say. I'm going to share her email first because then it'll give you a complete idea of where I'm going with this. But but just to say, basically, today's episode is all about the overwhelm, the financial overwhelm that I'm sure all of us have experienced at one time or another in life and also especially when wedding planning. This is a pretty obvious statement, and I know every single one of you, no matter what your budget is, has experienced the moment where you start wedding planning and you have a certain figure in mind that you are willing to spend or going to spend, and then you start costing everything out and you go, Jesus, what, what, 
what what and it's crazy how much we think everything is going to cost and then we get to that moment of realizing the reality of the actual costs and it's sort of like we're in the matrix or in the twilight zone a very unpleasant unpleasant wedding matrix where you just step into this world and you go on what planet does basically throwing a party with a meal and a couple of glasses of wine cost 20 30 40,000 it's crazy so i just want to start this episode before i share jen's email by going i agree it's mental and anyone that says it's not is not from the same planet as us that is that is the basis of this whole episode. So here it is. This is Jen's this is Jen's email that got me all motivated to share this with you. And I'm going to give you solutions. We're going to discuss this openly, no pressure. This is for any budget, for any scenario. Even if you have planned all your wedding and you are thinking now, I'm fine, I'm on budget. I want you to listen to this and learn. Because I think there's something relevant for all of us in it if I do say so myself. Hey, Alicia, we got engaged over a year ago and my fiance and I chose a pretty pricey venue because we instantly fell in love with it. It was the first venue we toured, so that wasn't very smart. (laughs) I will say in Jen's email, she's very honest and I bloody love her for it. We were in a good financial situation last year and the next year was projected to be even better. Good. Oh, unfortunately, we were wrong about that. This year, my fiancé's work has plateaued and our savings have run up. We are currently living paycheck to paycheck while planning a monster of a wedding. And frankly, it feels really shitty. I totally hear you. She goes on to say, thankfully, we're getting some help from our parents, about 10K, but it feels like just a drop in the bucket. We've already put down $2,500 out of a $12,000 total for our venue, but there are so many other huge expenses. The photographer, dress, catering, which I was just quoted another $10,000 for, we realize now that, and she says this in capitals, holy shit, we're seriously underestimated the cost of this beast and we are way over our heads. Even if we DIY everything we can, we're still going to spend 25 to 30K easily. We never intended to have a, quote, big wedding. It certainly snowballed into one, and now we're feeling a bit out of control of our own wedding. Thankfully, we do have time on our side, about eight months, so I'll be DIYing everything I can get my hands on. Do you have any advice for us after, <laughs> after we've already screwed it up? I wish I'd eloped. Jen. So... I want to personally thank Jen for sharing this with me and sharing it with you as well, because I know there are people out there listening, nodding their heads, who are in exactly the same position as you, Jen. You are special, but this scenario is not unique. It's it's one of those things that I think a majority of couples get into this sort of zone where we fight, we sort of struggle with the feelings of want the feelings of I deserve this, the feelings of this is the venue or this is the dress or I must have these amazing $1,000 shoes or whatever. We start to be overwhelmed. We say yes to things and then we get into the situation that you're in now, Jen, of going, holy shit, what am I going to do? Now, there is no one right answer for any scenario like this. Every every situation is, of course, individual You'll have different means of financial gain. We, Some people like me. I'm a freelancer. My work comes and goes. 
I am in a similar situation. I know we were, Rich and I were in a very similar situation to Jen and her partner that I work in television and a TV, can I just tell you, it don't pay that good unless you are, you know, on a mainstream big show getting a regular wage. My wage was freelance. It came and went. So you'd have good weeks and then you'd have other weeks that you go, mm, not so good. And that's the life that I leave. It's what I've uh, lead. That's what I've signed up for. It's a life we still lead now. Hence my support the same for the date messages. But it is hard when you are coming up with really big lump sum payments that are being requested, which I'm sure all of you are also experiencing. This is not like paying rent where you're just paying a small amount each week or a mortgage. These are vendors coming up and saying, yeah, we're going to need our five grand now. Can you pay it in one go? Yes, because that's the only option. In the 100th episode survey that so many of you graciously participated in, I would say 50-60% of the answers to the first question in the survey, and that was, what is the biggest challenge, the single biggest challenge you are facing in your wedding planning journey right now? You know, 50-60% to of you said money. It sucks. There's not enough of it. We don't know where to put it. We feel pressure. We are struggling with talking about money to family and friends, and it's really hard, and it is. As my dad loves to say, someone always wants your money, and especially in the wedding industry, and this is not a disservice to the vendors and the planners and all the people. I think they're all amazing, but besides this podcast, I don't think there's really anything that comes for free except for love and generosity. When you're planning a wedding, you're always putting your hand in your purse or wallet, and that's just part of the deal that you've signed up to get hitched, and unfortunately, there's not much that comes at a low cost. Although, as we've certainly learned over the past 105 episodes of this podcast, that um, 104, that <laughs> you can get away with with thinking laterally and finding um, avenues that are money saving and cost saving and time saving avenues. But you know, it's not it's not easy. It takes time and it takes energy. Of course, saying that, if you have the means and you can justify spending whatever big amount of money that you're being quoted, go for it. I think one of the big things that is important to express from my perspective is that you really are the one that has to justify what you spend on anything. I will say, and I've said it before, and I actually write quite um, heavily about this subject in my guide to getting hitched, which you can get for free at savethedatepodcast.com that weddings are one of the very few big-ticket items that are emotive purchases. Besides a house, I would say a house is something that's emotional, but also it's something you pay off over a long period of time. It's something that you get value out of because you sleep in it, you live in it, you entertain in it, whereas a wedding is a probably one-day event, perhaps a weekend event if you're lucky, and it's over, it's done. You get a lovely photo book at the end, an album, you get to watch a video, but you can't relive that wedding physically over and over again. It's a short-term investment for a long-term, hopefully, lovely long-term marriage gain, but the actual event is very short, and the actual event contains a lot of hopes, expectations, and money. So when I talk about that in the book, and I've mentioned it on the podcast before, it's really hard to disconnect that emotion that we feel those 
those lifelong, for some women, I wasn't actually one of them, and I know a lot of my listeners are probably on the same wavelength as me, but there are people, women especially, that grow up going, I want to have this sort of wedding, and I'm bloody going to have it. And they think about it from since they were bloody 13. So when you build this up, it's very hard to disconnect that emotion, that feeling in your heart and tummy to spending money and going, well, no, I'm not going to not have that because of cash. Forget it. I've dreamed about this forever. Fuck it. I'm spending that money. So I think a lot of us get into that sort of trap of spending money or saying yes to something quickly because you see it and you go, I want it now, and then get in trouble, which brings me back to the lovely Jen. Jen, I promise I was getting back to the point of your wonderful email. Not so wonderful from your perspective, but wonderful that you shared that with me. Because I think we've got a lot to learn. We've all got a lot to learn together about decisions we make on the fly. Now, I know, having received a follow-up email from Jen, a little bit more about her situation, which I'll share with you momentarily. But I first wanted to say my response to Jen was probably a little dramatic, and I think some brides would have gone, get fucked, Alicia. There's no way I'm going to listen to your advice because it sucks. And yes, it probably was a little bit heavy. So I want to read you what I wrote back to Jen. Does that make sense? Of course it does. You're with me because you're good people and you've got good folks and attention. Uh, I basically said, we (laughs) cancel the venue. Just ditch it. And... I just want I said, stay with me. No wedding venue is worth the stress and the hassle of going into debt and all the shit that goes with that situation. Now, I was not suggesting that she cancelled the wedding. I was not suggesting that she puts anything off. I was just saying in a very dramatic way that there are other options if you are in so deep that you can't see a way out financially then surely losing a deposit, she said she put two and a half grand down, that's a lot of money, don't get me wrong. But surely considering perhaps cancelling that venue and finding another venue in the same area is an option over having to get into debt $30,000. I also suggested to Jen, and this is something that Christy Aslan, the wonderful wedding lawyer who I had on the show recently, sort of said that, you know, you must read your contracts before you commit to anything. It's really important that you know your rights when it comes to cancellation or rearranging or if something goes wrong from the venue's end where you stand. And one of the suggestions I made to Jen, if she did want to go down or they wanted to go down the track of changing the wedding venue, pulling out of the wedding venue, is where she stood financially and legally with the vendor. Now, I know from personal experience of cancelling a wedding, if you don't know about that, head back to episode 001, the very first episode. You will hear my story. I've been engaged before and I cancelled a wedding. Now, again, I'm reiterating, I'm not suggesting that Jen cancels her wedding. I'm just saying that she may be able to find some other couple, if they want to go down the track of ditching this venue and finding another venue, to replace her booking. Now, this is an option. If you're in a situation that may be similar to Jen, this is an option open to you. Of course, you need to discuss this with the vendor and the venue. But if you are getting hitched at a very popular place, a popular venue, there are 
most probably other couples that are wanting to take on your booking date and booking. So one of my suggestions to Jen, if she wanted to go down the path of moving venues, is to perhaps talk to the venue and say, are there any other couples on the waiting list that might want to take up our booking? And also, if they aren't willing to help you out, you could then possibly go down the track of advertising on uh, forums or perhaps in local um, a local publication of saying, we will give you our booking if you pay either the full deposit or we'll go halvesies with you just to get rid of that contract. Again, I'm not offering legal advice. Every venue has different clauses and terms and conditions involved in contracts, but obviously the venue would rather you ditch out on it and someone else comes in and actually pays the full fee. If you can't afford to fully pay for the venue, then that is an option for you. Now, I know because I have received a second email from the lovely Jen that she really does go in a little bit more into the story as to why they've booked this venue. And I know, and she's being very honest in her responses, that they were not expecting it to cost that much. And again, I go back to what I said at the top of the episode, stuff adds up. You don't expect, you know, your ten dollars or $15,000 wedding to double, which is sort of what's happened to Jen and her wonderful partner. But you either have to make the decision to make some quite dramatic changes to your event and your day, or you go with it and try and figure out how to cut the costs but still have a nice time. One exercise I think is really valuable and it works very well for me as someone that's not always that fabulous with money. I'm always happy to be honest with you. I am not the budget queen. I sometimes need to remind myself that money only goes so far when it's being spent. (laughs) The point is, you need to put your money into perspective. And one thing that works for me is I sometimes think about a purchase, a holiday, some physical thing that I'm going to purchase and say, well, how many weeks rent or mortgage perhaps is this worth? How many days, how many hours do I need to work to pay for this thing? So when you're thinking about catering, for example, for your wedding, you could go, okay, our catering is going to be $5,000 or pounds. How many weeks rent will that catering cover? How many weeks rent extra does that cost us to pay for? Now, you may be thinking, Alicia, this is pretty basic shit. Yes, it is. But also, I often think when I'm going to go buy a pair of shoes, and if I'm earning 30 bucks an hour or 50 bucks an hour or 100 bucks an hour, whatever you're on, that you go, well, that's going to cost me those shoes I will be working for four and a half days. I'm not buying those sort of shoes, by the way. There's no way in hell I'm buying those sort of shoes. But it sometimes just takes that sort of moment to actually calculate how much the equivalent of real life spending you are spending on a wedding to really wake you the fuck up and go, I'm, we must be insane. We must be crazy. So I would like to share a couple of points about how very loosely, if you are going way over budget or if you found yourself in a similar situation to Jen, that we can try and find solutions for. I'm going to give you a little moment of brain rest. And then we're going to come back and we're going to get to work. Okay, we are back and we are giving solutions. One thing I really want to reiterate is if you have not listened to the episode where we talk about contracts, it was episode 73 and it was called 
lawyer up, know your legal rights when planning your wedding. Now, if you haven't listened to that, please do go back. It's a really entertaining 30 minutes of information and fun, but also a real wake-up call just for me in general about how little I can sometimes read contracts and sign away my life. And I'm not an idiot. I just want to reiterate, I'm not an idiot. I'm not just like, okay, I'll sign this. Oh my God, you own my soul now. That's not what I'm talking about. But we do agree to things in the day-to-day world where perhaps if we just thought a little bit more and cooled our boots, pumped the brake slightly, we might be making different decisions. So the first thing is when it comes to contracts and getting yourself into big financial decisions like a wedding venue or a caterer or perhaps getting into photography, I know... The same thing we discussed with the wonderful Laura Babb recently. She sort of said, read your contracts when it comes to photography. You don't know what you might be getting or not getting when it comes to image rights and also how long the photographer will stay. That will all be written in the contract. Don't get overexcited and sign away your life because you think you're getting a good deal. Make sure you take the contract away, you read it, you give it to someone else to read and then you sign. Because like I'm saying in Jen's scenario, if they do want to go ahead and change venues or try and ditch out of that contract, you've got to know where you stand when it comes to making changes or alterations. Again, if you are really considering making some changes and wanting to do that, then I would suggest if it's not clear in your contract that it's probably worth spending 10 minutes of your time emailing someone like Christy and really getting to the crux of the situation and figuring out what your rights are when it comes to it. If you are trying, like Jen, to save a bit of money and perhaps sticking with something, even though you are potentially getting into deep financial shit, then may I suggest you also think about all of the stuff that you can borrow A lot of people don't think of weddings as somewhere, an event where you can borrow things from friends and family. They want brand new shiny stuff when really a lot of the times all of the bits and pieces that go into creating a wedding are perhaps things that people already own. Here's one that I hadn't thought of before, renting or borrowing someone else's veil. Now, a veil is something you are highly, highly unlikely to ever wear ever again. A veil is a one-day-only purchase. So if you have a friend or family member that's been married that perhaps has kept their veil, then may I suggest that you ask if you can borrow the veil or check it out or have the veil and alter it. They are really small things that actually cost quite a lot of money. That's only one thing I'm, I'm thinking of off the top of my head that you can borrow, but get a little bit creative. If you have someone that's been married recently, perhaps they've got some table decorations or candles or stupid mason jars that everyone craps on about. But actually, if you go to the internet and you try and buy some mason jars, they really add up. They really do. Ask your venue what they have in the way of decorations and extras. This is one of the big things I said to, said to Jen in my reply is that, If that venue is as shit hot as they think they are because they're charging that much money, then they must have a magic room of tricks that they can help you make sure you get exactly what you want, get the most bang for your buck. Now, I'm not saying every venue is going to have a wonderful, magical closet of decorations and extras, but... For for that sort of cost and what you're getting, they really should be going out of their way to help you. And you should really put the hard word on them 
to help you with whatever you can and whatever you need when it comes to your, especially the decor of your wedding. Share estimates with vendors. And when I say that, I mean, I'm not asking you to vie, put up vendors against each other in some sort of, you know, great battle. I'm just saying if you're honest and you're getting quotes from multiple vendors, which you should, because that is good business practice. Do not just sign up for the first quote. I think Jen is a good example of someone who has done that and perhaps regretted that decision a little bit. I love you, Jen. I really do. Share the estimate. Say, hey, listen, Sally the florist has said she's only going to charge 750 bucks. Why is your $1,000? Just explain to me the difference. And if you've got a good vendor, they'll go, well, actually, I use a better pair of scissors or I produce much better work than Sally. She sucks. I mean, hopefully they won't say that because they're professional, but get them to explain what the difference is in the cost. And also if Barry, the other florist, who's got a very female sounding voice, really wants your business, maybe he'll be willing to compromise a little bit. Remember to hold out for sales. This is really basic shit, but it's also one of those things. If you find a pair of shoes you really want, you might buy them straight away. But also two months later, the, you know, Black Friday sale comes on or the Christmas sale or the post Christmas sale comes up. You'd be surprised how many of these items come up for sale. You can also set up a little Google shopping watch where you can, uh, there's also a couple of apps available where you can price watch items. So if you know that you have, a, I don't know, a pair of fancy shoes that you're looking for, you can enter the item code or name of the shoes. And when it comes up on sale, the app will let you know. That is a free thing that you can do. And you're not jumping into spending money that you regret later on. Can I just say, here's a personal story. I found the most amazing pair of Givenchy shoes for our wedding. Now, I didn't wear the shoes in the end because I changed my dress, but they were on sale and they were like a thousand dollar pair of shoes and I got them for 350 bucks, which was still a crazy amount of money to spend on a pair of shoes. And they were very sassy. They made me feel really good, but I fucking couldn't walk in them. I could not walk in them. I wore them around our lounge room and I said to Rich, I love these shoes like a baby. Like I would think I would love our first baby. But I struggled to walk on carpet in them. And then as our wedding planning got more serious, I realized we could really use that $350. So I returned the pair of shoes and then I used the $350 to pay for some lights for our DJ. That's what I did because we needed to keep under budget. We did not have the excess money to go over budget with. We didn't have anyone else offering us any extra magic money. So I got rid of my baby shoes, uh, my baby replacement shoes. And fine, we had great lights. And as you know, we had a really good time dancing. So I don't regret that for one minute. The other thing is when you were doing your wedding budget, which I know you're all doing because you listened to my advice. <laughs> Let's all just listen to Alicia's advice again. Make a wedding budget. Get a free Google Docs. Google Docs do a whole wedding free download that you can share with your wedding planner, your partner, I don't know, the next door neighbor, I don't care, whoever you want. All of the special equations and stuff, you can tell I'm an Excel spreadsheet user, don't understand it, it just works for me. They're already inputted in, you just need to write in your line items and it will do all the maths for you. But one big suggestion that I would say is vital is to add a line in your budget 
that is a contingency fund. Now, a contingency is basically probably 10% of your budget that you put aside for any extra expenses that may come up that you weren't expecting, which I guarantee you there are going to be a few of them. So make sure you allow 10% is ideal. And you know, the best thing is if you don't spend that money, you get it back at the end. It's in the bank account. Don't just spend it for the sake of it, by the way. Don't do that. Remember sales tax. In England, you've got VAT or VAT, as they like to say. In Australia, we have the GST. I think Canada has a GST as well, the goods and services tax. All taxes suck, but I mean, hey, they pay for hospitals, so that's a good thing, unless you're in America. Um, I want you to think about this. I've done some maths. God help us. If you have $1,000, for example, to spend on your dress, that means if you are in the States, I'm going off, we're just going to do US because I can't do all the countries because that'd be crazy, but you would have $945 to spend after you put sales tax on. So you need to think about totals, which include sales tax when you are working out your money. Now you might go, oh, it's only five and a half percent or it's only 8%. Well, actually when you are buying big thousand dollar, $2,000 things and you forget the tax, that can get you into shit. It really can get you into deep financial shit. Here's another example, $5,000 you're spending on catering, which means you really only have $3,780 to spend after you put it aside, again, this is a US thing and Canada, your gratuity, maybe 20%. Some people would say 18, but let's just round it off to 20. And then you add your taxes in, which is another 220 bucks. So really, you've got about $1,220 that is extra expenses. So you need to remember that this shit really adds up and that you need to put that in a line in your budget so you can see that it's there, clear as mud. <laughs> Make it happen. Jen and I are still having lovely email conversations. I'm going to update you on Jen Jen's decision where she's at. I think at the moment she's going to stick with the venue and write it out and try and come up with some creative ways to save some more money to pay it off. But if you are in the same position or a similar position to Jen, I just want to say and I want to remind you all that weddings are amazing. I love talking about them. I love hearing about your weddings. I love talking about wedding planning, but they are just one day and you don't want to be paying off this damn thing for the next five years when you could be buying a house or going on an amazing adventure somewhere, going on a trip. Oh my gosh, the amount of money I've spent on travel over the years, and I do not regret a cent. Honestly, seeing the world and having experiences far outweighs a party. No matter what you think about weddings and your expectations about weddings and your dreams and hopes and all that bullshit, it really is about what comes after the wedding and about sharing that time with your family and friends and having a really great whoop it up time. But it's not about paying off credit cards or having to go to see a bank manager to get a loan or doing something dodgy to get the money. Think of that, whatever you wish. <laughs> and I'm not trying to lecture you or make you feel bad about spending money. As I said halfway through the show, it's all about perspective and what you want to do. But I really don't want you to feel pressured to have to keep up with the Joneses or do what people say in magazines or in Pinterest. You just need to do what you're comfortable doing. And if that means 
like I'm saying to Jen, ditching out on the big wedding venue, find a restaurant in the same area and do exactly the same thing on a smaller, smaller sort of level, then do that. You are the only people that can make this decision. You are the only ones that can make the decision, that know what's right for you. But I am very grateful that, Jen, you shared the email with me because you really got me thinking a lot about making sort of dramatic moves, making decisions like, as I say, saying, this is not right for us. What are we doing? Get out. Or, yeah, okay, this is a big commitment. This sort of sucks. We're probably going to have to pull the old belt buckle in for a couple of years to pay this off, but it's worth it. Only you know the right answer. I really hope that you've gotten something out of this episode. No matter what financial situation you are in, no matter what stage of the wedding planning journey you're in, whether you are wealthy or not so wealthy, whether you're planning a big wedding or a small wedding, I know that you're a bride chiller. I know that you will make the right decisions and you will keep listening to the Save the Date Wedding Podcast. Look at that. I even put a little plug in for myself. How indulgent. Thank you so much again for listening. Thank you for your iTunes reviews. It just takes one minute to head to the iTunes page, find the Save the Date Wedding Podcast Look in the left column and you will see rate and review. If you click it, you don't have to log in or do any of that bullshit. You just can either rate it, just give it a star rating or add a sentence or two. That also helps to get other people on board and listen. Slowly but surely, I'm building my fan slash listener base and it's lovely. I really want to be able to spread the bride chiller word to women and men all over the world and to sort of create a bit of a movement. I don't, I'm not shy in saying I think that together we can really do something. Thanks for listening. And until next show, Thursday's Q&A episode where I have a very special guest answerer, Nova from New Bride. We talk all about putting dibs on wedding venues. Can you place dibs on a venue if your friend is also looking at it or has had a wedding at that venue? It's a really good question from one of my lovely listeners and Nova's got a great answer for it. Bit a bit more level-headed than me. I got a bit I got a bit emotive in my response, but uh you know, you can always trust Nova for bringing the goods. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, visit savethedatepodcast.com for more information and I bid you happy days. Save the date wedding podcast. Don't plan your wedding without it.